0: Morning everyone, my name's Steph, I'm one of the pastors here and we're going to carry on in our series in the Song of Songs or the Song of Solomon today. We started that a couple of weeks ago and um, we're really going to get into the meat of the book now. We've done kind of two introductions if you like, Clive a couple of weeks ago or Uncle Clive as he's become an affectionately known and then um, <clears throat> me last week and uh, now we're really going to start getting into the actual book itself. Over these next few weeks, and really try and understand it, dig into it, and benefit all that we can uh, from it. It's a very small book in the Bible, in the middle. It's part of the wisdom literature. Um, verse one starts the Song of Songs, which is Solomon. So this book has been taken to have been written by King Solomon, who who presided over the most perhaps the most glorious period in Israel's history. He was the son of King David. King David did all the fighting got everything settled, got the boundaries nice and big, got things in a good place. King Solomon came in after that and really enjoyed the good of it, enjoyed the peace and the prosperity. And he's known for his wisdom. He's, he's, he's traditionally um, held to have written three books in the Bible, the book of Proverbs, or most of the Proverbs, Ecclesiastes, and Song of Songs. Now, the reason why some people aren't so sure that he wrote the Song of Songs is because this is a love book between one man and one woman, um, but Solomon had 700 wives, so kind of it, it kind of throws a kind of slightly odd dynamic in there. Um, some people have managed that by saying this: that he wrote the Song of Solomon when he the Song of Songs when he was young, and then he wrote the the, the 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 Proverbs when he was an adult, and then when he'd got old and cynical, he wrote Ecclesiastes. And if you know anything about those books, you'll understand what I'm saying there. But nevertheless, that is who it is ascribed. Um, 2. Uh, now it's a love song. The way Clive brilliantly articulated a couple of weeks ago really got us into the sense of the field. This is a song. It's deeply romantic, passionate, erotic between a man and a woman. That's what it is. Our first appearance. Thanks again. Sorry. <laughs> Get me home water from now on. Sorry. Cheers. Thanks, Luke. Um, <clears throat> that's what it is. But from time immemorial, before Jesus came, the Jewish people understood this book primarily as an allegorical book talking about the love affair between the God God and his people, Israel. And then the Christian church, from time immemorial, have picked this up and taken it to the next level, if you like, taken it to this next element of focus, that it's about Christ and the church. And so we, are, we, we, are, we will talk about um, romantic relationships between men and women. We will talk about marriage as we go through this, but primarily... We're going to be focusing on the allegorical, the divine love story, this wonderful love affair between Christ and his church. That's where we're going to be focusing. Although all through the series, the next few months, we'll be dipping and we'll be saying some things from this book directly about marriage also. So let's read, then I'm going to pray, and then we're going to get right into it. Let's read this. The Song of Songs, which is Solomon's. Let him kiss me with the kisses of his mouth, for your love is better than wine. Your anointing oils are fragrant. Your name is oil poured out. Therefore, virgins love you. Draw me after you. Let us run. The king has brought me into his chambers. We will exalt and rejoice in you. We will extol your love more than wine. Rightly do they love you. I am very dark, but lovely. O daughters of Jerusalem, like the tents of Kedar, like the curtains of Solomon, Do not gaze at me because I am dark, because the sun has looked upon me. My mother's sons were angry with me. They made me keeper of the vineyards, but my own vineyard I have not kept. Oh, the mystery. All will hopefully be revealed. Let's pray. Father, thank you for this extraordinary book, the power of it, the passion of it, the raw emotion of it, the humanity of it, the divinity of it. Thank you for this book. Thank you that it's breathed out by your spirit. And I pray you would get to us through it. We welcome and invite you, lover of our souls. Lover of our souls. Speak your words of jealous love into our souls today, I pray, through these words. Amen. Now, one thing to say about this book, the he, the she, the others, as you read through it, you'll see different bits are assigned that was inserted That was inserted at an, another time, and, and so it's not part of the original text. And so what the translators have done is their best to work out who's talking when. Sometimes really easy, sometimes it's a bit more mysterious. So just to sort of bear that in mind as we go through this. So I'm going to make four points in today's sermon. Point number one, kisses and wine. Point number two, perfume and oil. Point number three, adventure and intimacy. Point number four, doubt and hope. So kisses and wine, what an explosive beginning. Let him kiss me with the kisses of his mouth. She's very, very uh, explicit and upfront and bold in her desire and in her request. She's not after a little nose nuzzle. Let him kiss me with the kisses of his mouth. Expressed desire, this is. I want to talk about the kiss for just a moment. Surely the kiss is at the same time the most delightful and most illogical of human activities. What is it? It's the weirdest thing. Have you ever stopped to think, what is that? Whether it's, whether it's parents, grandparents and babies, it's the strangest thing. What is, what is that? Or whether it's lovers in, uh, in, 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 in deep passionate kissing, you know, whatever that is, something deep is going on there. You may not be able to do, you know, A plus B equals C when you look at a kiss, but you know something extraordinary is going on there, whether it's the affection of a grandparent or, or, or a passionate kiss of two lovers. Let me, I'm going to quote a few, a few um, passages from this, wonderful book over today because he says some great things listen to this on a human level the kiss requires vulnerability and trust it is not to be undertaken lightly it's a point of no return kissing opens the beloved to the lover it is a sign of saying come in through the gate see who I really am it's a bold risky thing but can be a relational breakthrough bringing life and joy he goes on listen to this this, talking about lovers now, this isn't about parents kissing children and stuff, about lovers now, which is what this book is about. The decision to kiss for the first time is the most crucial in any love story. It changes the relationship of two people much more strongly than even the final surrender, because this kiss already has within it that surrender. Kisses, passionate kisses, are dangerous things, explosively dangerous things. Myself and Davina, made, we made our decision, the decision to kiss. We made our decision. We said, we're going to save that for our wedding day. It's our first kiss and our wedding day. Not because we weren't attracted to each other, quite the opposite. We wanted to be pure. And the Bible says, you know, to men, it says, treat, treat the young women in the church as sisters. So we wanted to be together, wanted to spend our lives together, but she wasn't my wife at this point. She wasn't mine, I wasn't hers. She didn't belong to me. I didn't belong to her at that point. And we just thought that kissing could be dangerous, you know. I mean, boy, where could that go? All kinds of places. So we decided to save it for our wedding day, which was kind of a fun, if slightly public place to explore that skill. <laughs> We've both got different versions of events. Uh and so of the other 200 that was there to look on it. It was a wonderful moment. It was a wonderful moment. But there's a wisdom in waiting. There's a wisdom in waiting, as, as, as the point was made a couple of weeks ago. There's, there's part of the message of the wisdom of the book is wait, because this stuff is explosive. Wait. Wait so that, you can, so that, you, so that you could, you're much more likely to live that no-regrets life. Wait. Now, for, obviously, for many, maybe most of us in the room, there's, you look back, you think, ah. In Christ, there's always redemption. In Christ, there's always a second chance, a third chance. You know, hallelujah. So don't hear what I'm not saying here, but nevertheless, you know, Christ strengthens us to make some pretty radical decisions sometimes. So this is the, this is the kiss there. There's the wisdom to wait. And then, and then once married, there's this, the boldness to express. That, that waiting, that reserve, that holding back must be decisively thrown out of the window at the point of marriage. That restrictiveness, that holding back, that keeping one another from one another has no place in marriage. It's a wise thing to do before marriage, but in marriage we have to give ourselves to one another with wild abandon. Let him kiss me with the kisses of his mouth. That's a perfectly legitimate thing for a woman who's married to say to a husband. But what about spiritually? Where, Where do we take this stuff spiritually? The idea of a Spiritual or a metaphorical kiss is a good biblical idea. Let's have a look at maybe a couple of scriptures, please, precious. We can see in um, uh, Psalm 2 says, Serve the Lord with fear and rejoice with trembling. Kiss the Son. Kiss the Son. Wow. Psalm 85 talks about steadfast love and faithfulness, meeting righteousness and peace, kissing each other. So we get, we get this sense, there's, there's this idea of a met- metaphorical, of a spiritual kiss in the Bible. It's not shied away from. You may um, not realize this, but the Greek word to worship, proskuneo, is generally agreed by scholars to basically mean to draw near to kiss. The word to worship means to draw near to kiss. Worship is an intimate thing. Worship is a heart thing. Worship isn't just singing a few songs or trying to act religious. Worship is a heart thing where you draw near to kiss your saviour in a spiritual sense. But how, how do we grapple with what it means for God to kiss us? Charlie Cleverley says this. The kiss of God is a metaphor, a picture painting a thousand words. We should not think of kissing Jesus in a sexual way. This is entirely outside the boundaries of God's will. Rather, think of Christ as the kiss of God to the world. Oh, what a wonderful picture. Think of Christ, the gift of his son, the father's gift of his son to the world. For God so loved the world that he kissed the world by giving Jesus to the world. That's now that. Oh, yeah. That moves my heart. God given his son, it wasn't just some obligatory move from a God who must do the right thing. God so loved the world that he kissed us with the gift of his son. Or think of God's hand on our heart, expanding our capacity to give ourselves to him and receive his love. On occasion, a man will come up to me and say, I can't picture Jesus kissing me on the mouth. I say, good. Not supposed to. (laughs) It's only a metaphor speaking of the deepest things God gives to human spirit. He concludes, the divine kiss is God's invitation to casual Christianity to go deeper. He's saying, you know what, Lord? Yes, You've shown yourself to me. I love you, but I want to know you in a deeper way. I want to know more. The, 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 I think the, perhaps the most genuine mark of a true believer is that sense of, I want more of you, Lord. I've tasted and I've seen that you're good, but wow, I just want to know you better, closer, deeper. I've tasted the real thing. Nothing else will do now. Take me deeper into relationship with you. Maybe you're here today and you've never known the reality of Jesus Christ in your heart. You've, you've never come to know him for yourself. Maybe you've been to church for years. Maybe you haven't. Maybe you don't even know how you got yourself in the room this morning, how you ended up here. But let me say this to you. Once you experience the encounter, the genuine presence of the Lord Jesus Christ, you know you've experienced the one who is the way, the truth and the life. And there's no going back. There's no turning back. It's not a a case of pride that you would then say, oh, I'm not interested in anything else. It's simply a case of genuine conviction. I have tasted and I I have seen that the Lord is good. This is the real thing. And God's heart for us is to know this deeper and deeper and deeper. In Luke 7, we see a wonderful moment of kissing. Jesus says to his host, you gave me no kiss. But from the time I came in, this woman has not ceased to kiss my feet. You didn't anoint my head with oil, but she's anointed my feet with ointment. Therefore, I tell you, her sins, which are many, are forgiven. When you've known your sins are forgiven, you want to kiss Jesus. Say, Lord, I just want to kiss you. I want to kiss you with my worship. I want to kiss you with my songs. I want to kiss you with my time. I want to kiss you with my resources. I want to kiss you with all that I am because you have forgiven my sins. You've taken them away from me. As far as the east is from the west, I have been born again. You want to kiss him. You want to love him. You'll gladly wet his feet with your tears and wipe them with your hair and kiss his feet because of how precious he is to us. Practically, Practically, how do you kiss spiritually? Let me ask you another question. Practically, how do you kiss naturally? Imagine a seminar on kissing. Most of us as teenagers probably practiced on our hands or other things like that. Maybe it's just me have various embarrassing moments trying to learn how am I, when this actually happens, what am I going to do? It um, <clears throat> didn't work for me on wedding day. Obviously, we practising went to, to pot. Um, <laughs> this, it, 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 it's a connection between two people. You don't do a seminar on kissing. How do you kiss the Lord? Love the Lord. love With that new heart he's given you by his spirit, love him with all that you are. It's kissing the Lord. Come on, just give yourself to him. Just pour yourself out to him. That's spiritual kissing and what a wonderful thing it is. And then just to mention this whole thing of wine, your love is better than wine. I mean, wine in the Bible denotes celebration, joy, delight, gladness of heart. That's what it it denotes. Your love is better than wine. elsewhere, the Bible says your love is better than life. To, To know the love of God in your heart, it's irreplaceable. To know the love of God in your heart, not some theory, something out there, to know the love of God being poured into your heart by the Holy Spirit is irreplaceable. You know you are loved by the the perfect lover. You know you are loved by the one whose steadfast love never fails. You know he will not let you go. It's the love of God, kisses and wine. Are you with me? God so loved the world, folks, he gave his one and only son. Jesus has poured out his soul and his life for you. Jesus has paid for your sin, no matter what you have done in this room, no matter how rotten you are, no matter how past it, how beyond the line you think you are. Let me tell you today, Jesus Christ has paid the price for your sins. You might say, how do, I, how do you know for sure? How do we really know how, if I'm going to rest my whole weight on this? I'll tell you how. He rose from the dead. That was the vindication that he was all that he said he was, and he's overcome every barrier and every enemy. You can be forgiven and know the love of God in Jesus Christ today. Hallelujah. Perfume and oil. Here we go. The other points will be a bit shorter, hopefully. Perfume and oil. Your anointing oils are fragrant. Your name is oil poured out. Therefore, virgins love you. Oh man, this point's not going to be any shorter. There's too much in here. Sorry. Your anointing oils are fragrant. Your name is oil poured out. Listen to this. Therefore, virgins love you. This is a fascinating thing. This is what 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 the woman is saying is this, is that, is that you're so delightful that the other women looking on just go, yeah, do you know what? He's amazing. He is. Now, let me just say this to you. I'm going practical now, moving out of the spiritual, again, into the natural, just quickly. Women, is there a man that is interested in you? Those of you that are currently not married, is there a man who is showing interest in you? I want to ask you a question. What is the reputation of that man? Who is interested in you? What are the virgins saying? What are your your circle of friends saying? Are they saying, yeah, he's a winner? Or are they going, careful? It's so important that we, these things that are so precious and we can kind of be, it can mean so much that we kind of want to keep others out in case they say something we don't want them to hear. But it's such a safety in community. There's such a safety, and you know, I always remember someone saying to me, or someone, or even someone say something like, you know, um, when looking for a marriage partner, look at how they treat their parents. What? That's how they'll treat you. Wow. wow. These things that never occurred to me for someone to say such things. I just thought, is she pretty? You know, when I'm 14 years old, is she pretty? You know, people are saying these amazing, wise things. You think, gosh. What's his reputation? What do others think of him? Community is so key in these matters. It's so important that we get this right. But let's look at Jesus for a moment. Let's look at Jesus. Your anointing oils is fragrant. Do you know what the word Christ means? The word Christ means anointed one. That's why he said, the spirit of the Lord is upon me. The Lord's anointed me to preach good news to the poor. Jesus' oils, I mean, man, the smell of Christ. He's anointed with the oil of compassion. What a wonderful smell that is. He cares about the poor. He cares about the broken. He cares about the needy. He's anointed with the oil of liberty. He sets prisoners free. He sets people free from the prison of guilt, the prison of shame, the prison of crushing regret, the prison of despair. He's, he, he, he kicks prison doors down and he sets people free. He's anointed with the oil of liberty. He's anointed with the oil of healing. He loves to heal broken hearts. Maybe you're here today and your heart is broken. You're just about keeping it together. You know what? He promises he'll bind it up. He's anointed with the oil of majestic royalty. He's so worthy. He's so worthy of your life, of your soul, of your mind, of your heart. He's anointed with the oil of gladness, the Bible says. He's more joyful than all of his mates. Hebrews 1. What a king! Who is like him? And yet he was poured out, poured out to death. When the woman came and poured this perfume on him, he said, she's anointed my body for burial. Anointed for death. Because our sins are the Leads to death, but he died in our place, the sinless one, that we could be forgiven. What saviour? And you might think, well, why? why? You see someone so amazing like that you think, man, but, you know, gosh, it just makes me feel worse about myself. Let me tell you a wonderful thing. When you are joined to Jesus Christ through faith, do you know what happens? His fragrance comes onto you. You, you become beautified by his love. You become perfumed by his aroma. It says this in 2 Corinthians um, chapter 2. It says, Thanks be to God who, who in Christ always leads us in triumphal procession and through us spreads the fragrance of the knowledge of him everywhere. For we are the, we are the aroma of Christ. Christ is anointed with the oil of compassion, liberty, healing, majestic royalty, gladness. We now are the aroma of Christ to God. So God the Father looks on us. What's that smell? I can smell Jesus. On who? On the church. By being joined to Jesus in faith. You know when you, you, you give someone a hug and they're wearing a lot of perfume? You, come, you ever tell me about my first day with aftershave? I was 16. It was a disaster. I was 16. And I bought this um, cheap, it's probably hooky aftershave of someone. And I thought, right, so I was working, so I was indoors, in the, setting out for the rush hour, I went, and then you go, I can't smell that. Just a bit more. I was on a rush hour train. There was a gap around me. There was like this invisible force field around me. Sardines, and then this gap. That was a day I realised that I'd gone a bit over the top. (laughs) Let me tell you, in a spiritual sense, Jesus is very over the top with his fragrance to us. And when we are joined to him, he doesn't just, it's not just a smattering, a spattering. I tell you, he makes us become the very aroma of him to God. What grace, what lavish grace. That's the generosity of the heart of God to us in Jesus Christ. This can be any one of ours in the room as a free gift. That's the mercy and grace of God. To us today. He's only got eyes for us. Wow. What a saviour. Perfume and oil. Next one. Adventure and intimacy. You still with me? Verse four. Draw me after you. Let us run. The king has brought me into his chambers, and then the others start singing, we will exalt and rejoice in you, we will extol your love more than wine, rightly do they love you. I love this, draw me after you, let us run. The cry of this woman's heart is, catch me up into adventure. They speak about natural relationships for a moment again. The cry of this woman's heart says to the man, catch me up into adventure, don't make me your adventure. Don't make me your adventure. It's unfair, no woman can... No woman can deliver on that. No woman wants to be that, it's suffocating. But, she, but this woman, she's, she sees this man, she says, you're going somewhere, draw me up. Well, I want to run alongside you. I want to, yes, I want to go on an adventure with you. Wonderful. That's a good, that's healthy, that's wonderful. So it's always a scary thing when you see a couple and they're, kind of, they're making one another their adventure. You think it's going to go wrong. You're not big enough. You, you you do not have enough in yourselves to satisfy that in one another. It's too small. Sorry if it's hurting your pride, but you're just too darn small. You haven't got it in you. There's only one who can satisfy ourselves. And he's doing something amazing in the world. He's doing something extraordinary on this planet. And in chambers, bring me into your chambers. Bring me into the king's brought me into his bedroom. Bring, he's brought me into his most close place to get adventure and intimacy. If you have a marriage that's got adventure and inter- intimacy in it, you've got a happy marriage. There'll always be all kinds of things just sorting out and growing out of and growing into because we're imperfect. But if you've got adventure and intimacy, that's a wonderful, wonderful thing. But church, this is where Christ's taking us adventure and intimacy. <laughs> this is where we're going. We say, Jesus, draw us after you. Let us run. Who's up for running with Jesus? I'll tell you what, it's nothing like it. There's nothing like giving yourself to Christ fully. There's nothing more white knuckle at times. You think, oh, what's going to happen next? I've had a couple of conversations lately with good, godly men, but men that are naturally just planners, like five-year, ten-year, all that. And, and God's just taken them deeper lately, and um, it's not that planning is wrong, but for these particular men, by the way they've been put together, it could have really been a source of false security. I've got my five-year plan mapped out. The Bible says we don't even know what tomorrow will bring. It's a false security. I've been talking to them, so God's taking me deeper, and, then, and, and he's kind of messing up my plans. And I'm going, hallelujah. Not <laughs> oh, Because plans are wrong, because I know these men, and I know they're good men, and I know they're godly men, but I know God's got more for them than their five-year plan. And he's teaching them to live by faith, you know, kind of a month, a time where you just, big decisions. I can only see a month ahead. That's huge for these people. There's something going on there. He has adventure for us. May he rescue us from mediocrity. As a church, as individuals, may he rescue us from settling down in this age from putting our roots down into this age and getting attached. May he rescue us from simply paying the bills, finding a nice school for our kids, or getting more Instagram followers. God have mercy on us. It's a nothing in comparison to the eternal kingdom that can't be shaken. It will all be shaken, and only one thing will remain, the kingdom of God. God rescue us from that. We've got to attend to things. We've got to be practical, but may they never catch our heart. Hearts are made from so, so much more than that. In Christ, there is such adventure and intimacy to discover. That's what this special offering's about. We're not raising money so we can get fat, we're raising money so we can, I don't know, do something sparkly. We're raising money so that we can pour ourselves more and more into the adventure and intimacy Jesus has got for us. We want to build up a war chest so that we can, we, we can really get behind some of these guys that are pressing on, pioneering new things. Those guys out in Korea, Dan and Joel, doing an amazing thing. You've been following their emails. They do, I, do, I don't know how regularly now people are coming to Christ, but it's extraordinary. They're discipling. I think, I think God, in his mercy, could help us to just see something wonderful grow there. Adam off to Singapore, no idea what he's doing, but trusting God. We know him well enough to go, do you know what? Amen. Amen. What's going to happen now? I don't know, but we've got a few people over there we know. Something could happen. The world is our oyster, brothers and sisters. Come on. Deep breath, big spiritual breaths. Get them lungs. Spiritual lungs big. So you can take in the vast scope of the whole of the, the, whole of the planet for the glory of Jesus. And not just doing, not just busy doing stuff, but communities formed that love him, that know him, that know the reality of the Holy Spirit and the power and the nearness of God intimate with him. That's what we're investing into. That's what this is about. Make no bones about it. It's not just getting money. Final point doubt and hope. Verse five I'm very dark, but lovely. Let me explain this to you. Because you might be thinking, what's what's going on here? Hold on a minute. What's this about? Dark but lovely. Because I've, I've got a wife who's dark and lovely. What's dark but lovely? What's that about? It's nothing to do with race. mustn't read these things retrospectively. It's nothing to do with race. It is what it is. In that part of the world, they don't do what the crazy English do, right? which is run outdoors in midday to catch the sun. Only we do that, crazy old beans. No one else in the world does that. Everyone goes, run for cover, the sun's out. So if you're out in the midday sun, you're going to just be getting all dried up and kind of, you know, weather beaten. In those days, you would it would have, it would have been a sight, It's like, what, what you, you're not been looking after yourself. That's what it represents. Nothing to do with race, but it represents. There's something going on here. Where oh, you've not made the right decisions here. you why were you doing? Why did you do? What were you doing that for? And as we were reading, I wanted to just explain that to you, just so you understood the context. She says, "I'm very dark." Now you see the but lovely. Some of the interpreters think that that's the guy at that point who jumps in. What, but lovely, you know. We don't know. Oh, daughters of Jerusalem, like the tents of Kedar. Now the tents of Kedar, Kedar are Kedar, like, they, were, they, were, they, were, they were these people, the Ishmaelites, and they, and they had these dark animal hair tents, and they would be kind of scorched, and they would be dried up, and that from kind of obviously being out there, Bedouin people out in the wilderness. That's what it was like. So It's kind of like dark, dry, scorched, so she's, she's, she says, I'm like the tents of Kedar. Then she says, I'm like the curtains of Solomon, which have been the complete opposite. It's curtains of Solomon, lush, ornate, kind of um, in, 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 a, in a looked-after environment, the most rich material you can imagine. And what she's saying is, I'm, I'm that, and I'm that. And, um, and is it, I mean, you know... Isn't that just the human condition? You know what I mean? You might say, well, well, you know, if you want to go really superficial, really efficiently, well, I like my nose, but I'm not too sure about my ears. Do you know what I mean? I've got a Solomon nose, a Kedar ears. You know, you, know, you know, I'm a bit of this, I'm a bit of that. You think, or you go deeper now, go a little bit deeper, get to know someone, think, ah, uh, a few months in, I've shown them my best side, first few dates, best behaviour getting to know me a bit better yeah there's a few there's a few things there's you know uh i'm not perfect and all the fears and the vulnerability that that can bring folks we're all in the same boat don't let anyone tell you any different we are all in the same boat there's elements about us you think you know what that's all right that's fun or, or that seems to be a blessing to people. Or wow, And there's elements you think, oh, Lord, have mercy on me. Let, don't let that thing grow. How are we going to see that thing die? Yeah? That's, that is the human experience universally. But spiritually as well, you think, oh, Jesus, you know, you've changed me, you've saved me, you've beautified me with your love, you've made me like the curtains of Solomon. But <laughs> I also feel a bit like the tents of Kedah. You know, you think, Lord, I'm still not through on that. Still losing my temper there. I'm still really a bit, I get that, my sense of humor gets a bit harsh there. Or, Lord, when it comes to money and just not loving it, I'm still, oh, it's a real, bass. I'm like the Tense of Kidar. Here and, and I think it seems that from this particular image here, it can be that element of us whereby, you know, we've, we've allowed ourselves to be beautified by the love of Jesus. But then, you know, we, we do what this woman does, where she's been looking after her brother's vineyards and doing this and doing that. But she says, my own vineyard, I haven't kept. That sense where sometimes you can be so busy. Londoners, sometimes out of necessity, sometimes because there's just so much on offer. You don't tend to your inner life with the Lord. And you end up going, God, I'm feeling a bit scorched and a bit dry. God, I'm feeling a bit like the tents of Kedar. You might have never said that to yourself before today. Before, I'm feeling a bit scorched and dry. You think, oh, don't, don't. And you think, Jesus, don't focus on that. You know, Jesus, she says, don't look at me because I'm dark. Don't, Jesus, don't focus on that bit. I'm, I'm sorry. We know that feeling, don't we? We all do. I know that feeling so much, so often. Lord, I'm, ah. it's, a, it's what we live with. It's, how, it's what we're living in, you know? And yet, as we go through this book, we will see that he just delights in her. And, and the more confident we become in his delight over us, the more we will proactively step into his presence because we know he's not going to go, oh, look at you. You look like Tensekida. But what actually he's saying is he's like, man, you're like Solomon's curtains. And you're going... Who's he talking about? Me. One of the things just to round up now, I said to the uh, to the lead uh, students when I was away with them the other weekend was um, <laughs> one of the things that struck me since come back from my sabbatical is the amount of times people have said, "You look well." We've kind of like a kind of like a he wouldn't have said that, but it's kind of like you never did before. Kind of is like is like the, the the other side of it. And, I, I, as, and I've pondered on it. I'm sure some of it was just having physical rest and getting to places with sun and stuff. I'm sure, but I know a lot of it was was you know what I just. I spent a lot of time just allowing the Lord to love me. And you know what? We get the more you allow yourself to be loved, the more beautified you become. You become made beautiful by it. And the Bible says that's how it works. You know, that Jesus poured out his life for his bride and then he washes her in the word. And it makes her, it, remove, it washes out the wrinkles and the stains and the blemishes. And she becomes his bride that's like, wow, you, you fit Jesus. But it's, it's just, she's allowed him to wash her. It's a bit like when Jesus washed the disciples' feet and Peter says, no, no, you mustn't do that. You're the king. And he's like, well, if you don't let me do this, you've got no part in me. If we won't let him wash us, if you, if you won't let Jesus wash you with his love and with his blood and with his compassion, if you won't let him do that, you've got no part in him. And you've got to say, Lord, all right, I'll let you serve me. It's bizarre as it feels, but he beautifies you. And you increasingly become all that you were meant to be. Become like Moses with his shiny face. That's what the Lord wants to do in us. Amen? All right, so he's the true vine. He says, abide in me and you'll be fruitful. That's the promise of Jesus today. I want us to respond today in two ways. Those of you, some of you in the room, I just feel today as I was preparing... You need to get saved today. You don't know Jesus. Whether you're a very religious, church, spiritual person or not, the bottom, bottom line is you've never been born again. You've never said, Jesus, I receive as a free gift your work for me on the cross. I receive that. I, I, I join to you in faith. I believe and I trust in you with all that I am. And I get out of the steering wheel of the car, the driver's seat of the car of my life, and I say, "Lord, you be in charge." I I, I bow the knee, and I want to walk with you as Lord. And what comes out of that, just being, going through the waters of baptism, getting baptized, where you say, "Yeah, Jesus, I'm following you," and learn how to walk with Him—that's His gift to you today. It's His love gift. That's His kiss to you today. And I don't, I don't want anyone who's in the room who's never known that. To miss that opportunity today, to come to him and say, Jesus, I want you to be the Lord of my life. And then the second group to respond is some of you, I just feel like you just, it's like this woman, You've, you've been here, there, and everywhere. And as a result, it's like, mate, I've turned, I'm scorched and dry. You've neglected your vineyard, you've neglected your inner life with the Lord, and it happens easily. Don't feel condemned. This is God's kiss to you today. Say no, it's alright, let's we get back on track. Come on, we'll get back on track. I want to give you wisdom, teach you how to do this. So I wanna just I'm gonna just if you either want to respond to that, you know, you know you need to just give your life to Christ. And or you know you're scorched and dry, you've not been, you've not been putting yourself under the the love of Christ. You've been here, there and everywhere, anywhere but the throne room, and you think, no, today I wanna I wanna just say today, Lord, you know what? I wanna live under your kiss and under your love. If either of them are you, I'm going to ask you to stand in a second. And when you stand, I'm going to just pray for you, right? At the end of the day, you doing what you're doing before God is the big deal. My prayer isn't like the thing that clinches it. You doing what you do before God, he sees that, that's the big deal. But I just pray for you anyway, and then we'll do all we can to encourage you, and then we're going to sing some songs and take up the offering. Okay? Is that cool? All right. If you want to respond to either of those things, please just stand where you are before the Lord. And before I do anything, like I said, the most important thing is is that the Bible says there's one mediator between God and man and it's not the pastor. It's Jesus. It's Jesus. So as you pray in the name of Jesus, God hears you. Okay, God hears you. And so you tell him. Even if you feel, I've never really prayed before, and it might even feel odd or embarrassing, just speak. He can hear. Just tell him. Be honest. You haven't got to do a funny voice or old-fashioned English. Just do your normal talk, but just tell him what's in your heart. Tell him what's going on. Tell him why you've stood. Say, Lord, this is why I've stood up. I tell you, If the musicians could come, because I think it's going to just help the guides. Could you just come for a second? Just, just play a bit of music. I'll tell you why. Just to help with self-consciousness. I, I would, I'm asking you, those of you that have stood, to actually say it to the Lord, not even just think it. I'm asking you to actually say it. Say, Lord, this is why I've stood up. And this is what, I, this is, this is what I'm asking you to do. And this is where I'm at. You know what? He'll hear your prayers. And if you're calling on him for the first time, I want you to say, Jesus, I'm calling on you to save me. Or maybe you, you once knew Jesus and walked with him, but you've actually totally gone off track, and you're saying, I'm coming back. Then say, Jesus, I really want you to rescue me. And the Bible says all that call on his name will be rescued. All right, so as the music plays now, I'm asking you to actually speak out to the Lord. Don't worry about who's listening. The Lord's listening. You speak out to him. Just, just talk to him for a minute or so. Then I'm going to pray. Then we're going to respond together. <laughs> we just declare the power of the blood of Jesus Christ over this room and over our hearts today. We thank you that the blood of Jesus cleanses us from all sin. Hallelujah. We just say, Lord, Lord, we're amazed by your grace. We're amazed by your mercy. We're amazed by your power. We're amazed by your authority. We're amazed by your gentleness. We're amazed by your compassion and your patience and your mercy new every day. We're amazed by you. We're amazed by you, Lord. And I thank you for all those that have stood. And I just pray now, Spirit of the living God, would you touch their souls? Spirit of the Of Lord, would you tenderise hearts that have got hard? Would you renew minds that have got old and weary? Those that have been locked up and even unable to cry, I pray, Lord God, that you would help to soften their hearts. They experience your love in such a way as to move their heart. Those who have been afraid, Lord God, let your perfect love drive that out. Those that have been distracted and just over-busy, Lord. Your wisdom would come and show them how to organise life. Come, Spirit of God, we look to you, we lean on you, we love you. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord.